Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. It's good to see you. Welcome to all those who are watching online as well. You're most welcome. Um, I'm going to uh, read a couple of passages. I try sometimes to stick to one, but I'm going to read you two passages of Scripture this morning. Um, first one's found in Galatians chapter 6. If you've got a Bible or an app, if you'd open it, and um, there's a couple of, there's four little statements in these two sections of Scripture that I'd love you to um, underline or take note of this morning because I feel they're very significant. I know they've been very significant for me, and I hope they will be to you. Galatians 6, verses 7 to 10. I'm reading this from the um, New King James Version because I wanted, uh, uh, just the way it worded a couple of the things was really good. It'll be on the screen as well, um, I think. Yes? Oh, we're going there. We'll, we'll get there. All right, Galatians 6, verses 7 to 10. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us all let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. And then the second reading in Hebrews 4, Hebrews chapter 4, verses 8 to 10. Hebrews 4. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore, listen to this, make every effort to enter that rest, so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. Um, back at the beginning of the year, Dave this last week, Chris had given a word. He gave it actually in a prayer meeting a few weeks ago, but he had written in his diary um, at the beginning of uh, this year, uh, this year would be, here we go, a year of re, all right? Uh, reposition, realignment, renewal, re-envisioning, repent and return. Come let us return to the Lord. The re-things that precede the revival and return of the Lord. God is not attracted to renewed vision, he said, as much as he is attracted to renewed hearts. But when the two things combine, he pours his grace and favors uh, our little efforts and infuses them with himself. And two weeks ago, um, I uh, gave us a little bit of a, an update on the word reunited. It was our first Sunday in. I brought the trumpet to sound the trumpet and give us a clear call that we were back in the building. Um, we'd never closed down as a church, but here we were back together. And then last week, Dave spoke to us around the word recommitted. 
and um, the whole idea of being recommitted to our six visions. I know some people say there's eight words in that, but we call them our six practices. They're just we couldn't uh, we couldn't define a couple of them, and so we just put all the words in. But these are our six practices that are along the wall. Uh, and Dave was talking about recommitting to them. He reminded us that discipleship is indeed following Jesus in all of our life. And so this morning, what I want us to do is I want us to talk about this word, recalibrated. It's been rattling about in my head for about a month now, um, this word recalibrated. Um, And I'm convinced, I'm convinced it was a word of the Lord for me personally, and maybe for you also. I looked up the dictionary meaning of the word, and it means to rectify or to correct or to change or to standardize, to adjust precisely for a particular function and to remeasure against a standard. I love the, the English, the Cambridge English Dictionary, which is to make small changes to an instrument. All right, and I began to ponder what that meant for me. I began to ponder in the spiritual dimension of my life, and I quickly discovered that the word recalibrate isn't a biblical word, it's not in the Bible, but of course, the principle of re-examining ourselves that Dave has just led us around communion is all over the Bible. The Bible is full of the idea of re-examining our lives as a disciple of Jesus Christ throughout the Word of God. We see it everywhere, and so Um, One of my first insights was that the standard against which we should examine ourselves, of course, is the Word of God. The Bible calls it a mirror in it as we begin to see, as we read it, we actually begin to mirror ourselves. We begin to see our sinfulness and we begin to see that recalibration actually needs to take place. And this standard never changes. It is the absolute standard through by which we should live rather um, the, the written word of God is always the infallible um, word that never changes. And so um, hunters recalibrate their sights, um, industrialists recalibrate their skills, pilots recalibrate their instruments in order to arrive at a destination. Whenever I was in my lorry driving days, we had to recalibrate our tachographs every year for PSV. And I read recently that rocket scientists, if they don't recalibrate their instruments, if they were one degree off, they would miss the moon by 11,000 miles. So it's really important to be in line. It's really important to recalibrate what we're doing. Recalibration is a, is a, a, a really important aspect of our society, including our relationship with the Lord. And in Galatians, Paul is writing to a church where people are slipping. If you go to Galatians 3, you'll find in the first verse, he calls them foolish Galatians. Who has bewitched you? He asked the question. Who has brainwashed you? Who has led you back into the old things? And so he's writing to a a church and he's saying to them, let us not grow weary in doing good. Let us not grow weary. Did you know that as a church-going, Bible-believing person that seems to be doing all the right things, at times, We can grow weary. Did you know that? I'm sure you did. And so the first thing that Paul is saying here is let us not grow weary. How do we prevent this from happening? How do we stop getting weary? Well, heart checks are great things. I love Peter in the Bible. And I love, you know, when when Jesus confronts him 
and asks him, Peter, do you love me? And he says, Lord, yes, I love you. And he says, feed my sheep. And then he says, Peter, do you really love me? And Peter says, yes, I love you. He says, feed my lambs. And then Jesus said, Peter, do you really love me? Are you really sure you love me? And it says that Peter was grieved in his heart. And he said this, he said, Lord, you know all things and you know that I love you. And I always add a little bit to that. I always feel like Peter is saying, Lord, you know all things and you know my heart and you know that I love you. And so when I feel, when I feel that I let the Lord down, that's my little line. I always say, Lord, I got this wrong or I did this or this happened, but you know all things and you know my heart and you know that I love you. So we need to recalibrate maybe our personal lives and our relationship with the Lord. We need to recalibrate at times our relationship with our spouse and with our children. We need to recalibrate sometimes our relationship with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And even as members of the body of Christ, as churches, we need to recalibrate that as a church, we're doing what God actually called us to do and intended us for do. So how do we do this? How do we find how to recalibrate the places in our lives. And I thought of a a few things that maybe would help like that. So ask yourself the question, what needs recalibrating in my life? Is there any habits, any areas in my life that need correction and adjustment? That's a good question. Uh, Ask God, if you're struggling, ask God by the Holy Spirit to show you the places in your life. My experience of that has been, he will cough up. If you ask God to reveal areas in your life, Or like the psalmist would say, search me, O God, and see, is there any evil way? Is there anything in me that needs adjustment? And of course, if you dare, ask someone you trust, as someone that you know loves you, any areas in your life that he or she feels needs adjustment, needs a divine adjustment. And of course, all of that, as we discover, needs to be measured with the Word of God. It needs to line up with this. But I believe that God is saying that it's time for my people individually and corporately to re-examine themselves and judge themselves according to the Word of God. So let us not grow weary. All right, that's the first thing. And then he says this, let us not grow weary, for in due season we will reap a harvest if we do not lose heart. What season? Due season. There's a due season coming. Let's remember that God works in seasons. He works in seasons naturally and he works in seasons spiritually. He made summer and he made winter. They're God-ordained seasons and you are in a God-ordained season and it might be winter. And winter's cold. Winter isn't always that pleasant. But here's my word to you this morning. Please don't give up in winter. Don't give up in winter. Why? Because a spring is coming. And I know it may be cold, but you need to endure because there's a due season coming. And I think that's a word for someone in this room this morning. It would be silly to put a seed in the ground and expect a harvest of that seed tomorrow. Don't give up just because your due season hasn't arrived yet. Don't give up. And the danger would be, the danger I believe in the church today is that we can give up on our harvest way too soon. We can give up on our harvest way too soon. And that is a word for the Lord 
uh, for someone in this room today. Don't give up too soon. I've shared this story many times of the Chinese bamboo. Plant the seed, you water it for three years, and for three years it doesn't break the soil. And then in year four, it grows 90 foot. And the question is, did it grow 90 foot in one year or did it grow 90 foot in four years? And of course, you know the answer. It grows 90 foot in four years, three years of unseen, messy, dirty, underground, root establishing, spreading out the frustration of darkness under the ground, making sure that when it grows, it will hold. And here's the thing. You got, if you're going to go high, you've got to go deep. And you've got to go deep before you go high. And many believers want to go high, but they're not prepared to go deep. And if you're not prepared to go deep, the storm will come. And if you're shallow and empty, and it will come, I'll guarantee you. And if you're shallow and empty, and you haven't built your root system, you will not stand. And this is what James is talking about in this great verse that very few people preach about. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. Imagine that. You should be joyful when trials come your way. He says, why? Because whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. That's the root system, you see. Building roots, let perverse, uh, the perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Listen, my friends, go deep, get rooted. Sometimes you have to sit through seasons of obscurity so that you may reap a harvest in due season. There is a due season coming. Don't get weary. Pursue God with everything you have, even through the winter days. Our second reading, the writer um, to the Hebrews is talking about a Sabbath rest. And this way of Sabbath living, coming to a place where we can lay down all our striving and realize that God is at work and, and, and God is God and we aren't, I suppose. Coming to a place where I stop my work and rest on his work. Understanding that it's God who's going to do the redeeming. It's God who's going to do the restoring. It's God who's going to do the reviving. It's God who's going to do the revitalizing. It's God who's going to do all of those things. All that I need to do, all that you need to do is recalibrate. Recalibrate, realign your lives into his will. And then he says this, he says um, in, in, in verse 8, I love this verse, he says, let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest. Make every effort. If you haven't that underlined in your Bible, you should underline it right now. Make every effort. If you're going to passionately pursue the presence of God, you've got to make every effort. You make every effort to do all kinds of temporal stuff. Make every effort to go to McDonald's. Make every effort to make your marriage work. Those are all good things. Well, going to McDonald's, maybe not. Um, you make every effort to get out of bed in the morning to go to work. So why would you relax? Why would you relax when it comes to the things of God? Why would you stop making effort? I hear people say, well, I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to do. Make every effort. Make every effort. Make it a goal to pursue the presence of God. You will not get it if you don't pursue it. And if you pursue it, you will prioritize it. 
And when it becomes a priority, then what happens is spiritual disciplines, you begin to make every effort in helping in churches and, and other organizations over the last number of years. Um, one thing I've noticed if they're struggling is that their systems are usually weak. Sometimes they even allude to the fact that systems aren't important. I was working with an organization recently, and this is what they said to me in, a, in an AGM. They said, Phil, last year we didn't get to do much work because we just seemed to spend all our time strengthening our systems. Well, all the little alarm bells went in my head, and I went, that is not a waste of time. It is important to have strong systems because sometimes it's really important in your life, like family time, like marriage time, like you time. If you don't put it into a system, it won't happen. I can guarantee you that. And maybe you need to recalibrate your devotional life, your, your prayer life, your Bible reading. You need to make every effort. One of the reasons I've done the morning devotions is if you look up the devotions on the on the web, you will find it's very simple. It says, read this passage. So this week was Hebrews in chapter 4. So read Hebrews 4. And then there's a live section. And then there's a prayer even to pray. And so it's really important to understand that you need a system. The only reason I done it was to try and help people find a system that works. Listen, let me say this to you with all the love in my heart. Your spiritual destiny and your spiritual life is your responsibility. It's not mine. It's not the elders of Emmanuel. We're here to help. It's your responsibility. And if you don't get into a system, a system and prioritize it, it will fail. And it's the same in everything in life. I love how Hebrews 4 ends with the Word of God. I, I love this. The Word of God, that's a tremendous tool that we have at our disposal. It's alive and it cuts keenly in all direction. It divides and it gives life, but it also slays flesh um, if we allow that into our lives. That's why the Word of God is so, so important. It pierces means it enters right into the fountain of life itself. It's a discerner laying bare the thoughts and the intentions. And while the Bible is the written word, we're reminded in verse 13 of Hebrews 4 that Jesus is the living word and we can hide nothing from him. Verse 14 reminds us that he is our high priest who has passed through the heavens for us and says that he was tempted in every way like you and I, yet he did not sin. And so this Savior understands and is touched by our pains and our weaknesses and our disappointments. And then the last verse, I love this, the last verse, verse 16 says this, that let us therefore come boldly. Watch this now, watch this. Come boldly to the throne. What throne? The throne of grace. Not any old throne. The throne of grace that we may have in mercy and find grace to help in time of need. When you get into his presence, you just need to breathe. He knows exactly where you are. He knows the mistakes you've made. He knows your failures. He knows your sins. He knows your lies. He knows about your secrets. He knows it all. And so when he says, you come into my presence, you don't have to perform. You just have to breathe. It's like that little line in Nemo, isn't it? Just keep swimming, just keep swimming. Just keep breathing, just keep breathing. 
Just breathe in his presence. And as we breathe in his presence, you come into his presence, you exhale, you exhale your burden and you breathe in his grace. You exhale your shame and you breathe in his righteousness. Here's the deal. As you get into his presence and you make every effort, the divine exchange happens. You give him his rags, you get his riches. You give him your shame, you get his righteousness. You give him your sickness, you get his health. You give him your sin, you get his glory. Some of us go into Facebook and we breathe in comparison. Some of us go onto the news and we breathe in anxiety. Some of us go into our bank account and we breathe in stress and scarcity. But when we get into the presence of God, we breathe in love and acceptance, and peace, and understanding. You don't have to compare yourself with another mom, or dad, or work colleague, or any other person's figure or physique, because there's no condemnation in his presence. But you need to make every effort to get into it. No condemnation in his presence. Here's what the psalmist said in Psalm 16. He said, in his presence there's fullness of joy and at your right hand there's pleasures evermore. I have two daughters who suffer from asthma and a grandson. I've watched them struggle for breath at times. One of them especially. And um, I believe that the enemy is trying to steal your spiritual oxygen. And uh, the problem with all that I've just taught you sounds a bit like extracurriculum, doesn't it? It sounds a bit like something you do when you're in trouble. This is not something. You need to make every effort to make this a system in your life. I have a really good friend, one of my best friends, and he's an asthma sufferer as well. And he's eating these blue inhalers all the time. And he said to me, Phil, I went to the asthma clinic, and he said, honestly, it was life-changing. He said, I went to the asthma clinic and he said, they, they, they showed me a little brown inhaler, which was a preventative. Now, we all know that prevention's easier than cure. And he said, this just give me a new life. Stop using the blue ones just because he said the problem was the blue ones were always when you can't get a breath, you reach for your blue inhaler. This brown one, he said, actually, you just took a shot of it in the morning and you didn't need the blue one. You see... It's not an extracurriculum. It's a preventative. And if you get it into a system in your life, something will begin to happen and you'll get into a sacred system that your life will begin to flow. Now, um, I want to show you a little video here as we close this off. Um, many of you will have seen this. I've used this um, in doing the Father Heart stuff in, um, in uh, Ignite over the last four or five years. And it's called Team Hoyt. It's an old video, but it's very, very powerful. And the story is of Dick and Judy Hoyt had a little boy born in 1962. They called him Rick. And he was born with cerebral palsy. And he was born, his uh, umbilical cord had got lapped around his neck and his brain had got starved of oxygen. And so he was born very, very disabled. Um, they were told to take him home. His life wouldn't be long. And he would never be a normal child. And they refused that. They, <clears throat> they discovered when he was a little boy that he could actually read by moving his eyes. And so they raised, with the help of friends, $5,000 in 1972. And they bought a sort of special built interactive computer, which was pretty up to date then, and got him into university. 
and actually put him through normal school. And in spring of 1977, Rick Hoyt told his father, Dick, who a a football friend of his had received a a life-changing injury and they were trying to raise money and so they were running a a five-mile run to raise money for this guy who had got hurt. And uh, he asked his dad would he push him in the wheelchair to do the run. And uh, that night he told his dad, he says, Dad, when, I, when you were running with me today, it felt like I wasn't disabled. The realization was just the beginning of what become a thousand races, marathons, duathlons, triathlons, also adding to their list of achievements. Dick and Rick, father and son, biked and ran across the U.S. in 1992, completing a full 3,735 miles in 45 days. Right, let's watch the video. Then I make a couple of comments and we're close. Let's watch it. Four minutes just. I can only imagine. We've got a new system in, so the guys have worked hard all week at this system, so pray for them. They've been doing an amazing job. Well, we'll go. I can only imagine what it will be like when I walk. By your side, I can only imagine what my eyes will see when your face is before me. I can only imagine. by your glory what will my heart feel will I dance for you Jesus or in all of you be still will I stand in your presence or to my knees will I fall will I sing hallelujah will I be able to speak at all I can only imagine I can only imagine I can only imagine When that day comes And I find myself Standing in the sun I can only imagine When all I would do Is forever Forever worship you I can only imagine, yeah 
can only imagine Surrounded by your glory One will my heart feel Will I dance for you, Jesus Or in all of you be still Will I stand in your presence Or to my knees will I fall Will I sing hallelujah Will I be able to speak at all I can only imagine Yeah I can only imagine Surrounded by your glory One will my heart feel Will I dance for you Jesus Or in all of you be still Will I stand in your presence Or to my The beauty of it all is that we don't need to run this race alone. We're all broken in some shape or form, but we can run the race with him. We can run the race with Papa. We can run the race with Abba. And uh, I just love as we close, I just a real sense this week is... um, studied and worked at this of the brokenness in our society but the hurt and the pain sometimes in our church and I feel like this morning as we close that God just wants to minister to your systems or maybe to your lack of systems and to let you know that he wants to run this race with you that we can live in, the, in His presence. That we can sing like that song, this is the air I breathe, understanding His righteousness. Your holy presence living in me. This is my daily bread. Your living word, your very word spoken to me. No condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. It was a word this morning from the guys praying about a cloud of the presence of God over our building this morning and just the rain of his presence wanting to fall on you. And I sense, uh, uh, I sense that word for me and for you this morning. I'm desperate for you. The writer to that hymn goes on and saying, and I'm lost without you. Would you bow your heads?
If this is for you this morning, I want to pray. Maybe you've been trying to run this race on your own and you just can't do it and you need to get back into the presence of God. You need to you need to understand that there's times of weariness. You need to understand that there's a due season. And this morning you just need to make every effort and come boldly before the throne of grace. And if you don't know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, then this would be a great time to do that right now. Just say, Father, I am lost without you. I need you in my life. I repent of my sin, and I accept your Son, Jesus, as my Savior right now. But for those that are gathered in this building, for those that are watching at home, God, I just pray right now that your presence would rest and abide. I pray, God, that you would draw ever so near to them right now. And in your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures evermore. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.